2: Good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of the Live Driving 5 right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. And as I always state, I am broadcasting from behind these enemy lines where freedom and liberty and justice is not for everybody. Uh, It seems to be for a select group. And that, you know, where a certain class of people are being shot down in the street by the thousands, whether it's based on their race or whether it's based on their economic status. And so just to explain again, that is why I say I'm broadcasting from behind enemy lines um i think uh today's program while i uh decided i wanted to bring this guest on uh weeks ago maybe a week or two ago uh when i when um i came across the article that our guest wrote on december the 26th and this is when sony the sony hacking uh all of that was in the news the movie the interview and all the, you know, uh, uh, conversations around freedom of speech. And so, um, it seems to be very timely because again, uh, at the forefront in the news cycle right now is conversations about freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. All of these things, uh, classified under the first amendment of the United States Constitution, uh, in, in a collection of amendments known as the Bill of Rights. And certainly, I have been, uh, um, talking here mostly this week about that very topic. And so it's very timely that our guest will be joining us here in, uh, just about, uh, just about eight minutes or so. Uh, Dr. Robin Anderson. She is a PhD professor of communication and media studies at Fordham University. She has authored four, uh, books and dozens of chapters and journal articles. And writes media criticism for a variety of publications, including thevisionmachine.com, where I came across her article, which is titled "Sony: The Interview and Hollywood Illusions of Creative Expression." And what and what prompted me to contact uh, Dr. Anderson? And I again always want to give uh, credit to uh, my assistant. Uh, sister Cece for helping me to schedule these guests. Uh, her work is greatly appreciated. Her assistance is much needed. Um, so yeah, what, what stood out to me was because it seemed to be a unique view on the situation. Um, taking a different perspective, taking a different angle at, you know, the whole uh, conversation around Sony, the hacking, the interview, uh, freedom of speech and so-called threats to, to, you know commit terrorist acts if this movie was shown and but she she looked at it in terms of you know um the United States government relationship with Hollywood and and other media makers I I have read since reading her article that they also have a role in in shaping consulting um on television uh programming you know whether that's television series like Perhaps, uh, comes to mind where it's dealing with, I guess, you know, terrorism or, uh, state affairs like that. What was the name of the movie? 24 that started, uh, star, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, I, I believe is his name. And so, um, I think that a lot of people are sleeping on the fact that the United States government through its intelligence agencies, through the Department of Defense is playing, uh, um, I would say a, important role um not important in a good way uh but playing a role nonetheless in the shaping of the media that we consume and again for those uh who may be this may be your first time listening to this program maybe you just found you know our platform black talk radio network.com and discovered some of the programming on that um that is managed by my nonprofit that I started in 2008, the black talk media project to help elevate the voices of black people who want to produce independent media and have something uh, important to say. And I saw a video of Malcolm X giving an interview, you know, people that have been following us for a long time have heard this story often. uh, Cause I like to tell it, I guess, but he really inspired me with his understanding of how, how, the American news media, uh, was used to shape the American opinion of so-called allies and so-called enemies in World War, during World War II and following World War II, uh, with the, you know, Cold War ensuing, uh, coming right after and, um, still some elements of it today is still going on of uh, the Cold War with, although the president has announced uh, normalizing relationships with Cuba um you know and and now we're seeing some hostilities again between the United States and Russia so you know I'm not so I'm not one to say so quickly that the cold war is over I'm also not one to say so quickly that COINTELPRO pro has ended all right. And for those who don't know what COINTELPRO was, it was the FBI's counterintelligence program, uh, which was uh, um, created by the FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, and to demonize, neutralize, eliminate black leaders and prevent the rise of new black leaders, uh, what he called a black messiah that could unite black people. Uh, around the cause of self-preservation, self-determination, and things of that nature. And uh, 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 a aspect of it that a lot of people don't talk about is their utilization of American media. Okay? And some people think that that has been eliminated. And so maybe it's not going under the name COINTELPRO anymore. But the practices, if you pay attention, I believe are still in effect you know, and I've talked about them, uh, on political prisoner radio, uh, many of the political prisoners are in prison, in prison today in the United States because of COINTEL pro, right. And a lot of people don't know about them because there seems to be a media silence, blanket silence on these people, unless it's to demonize them, to keep them from being paroled or, or something of that nature. So I, I think that, um, I think that Dr. Anderson's article and the uh, information that she relayed through this article back in December is still not at like, you know, it was that long ago. It hasn't even been 30 days. So her her article is still relevant today in the context of the conversations, the global conversation, not just national, but the global conversation around freedom or so-called freedom of speech, uh, in this country. So, um, yeah, we'll be talking to her in just a bit. Now, last night I forgot and I apologize. Um, I forgot to update, um, give an update on my program that I did late last night on the NAACP bombing to see if there was any new information. So as we, um, get prepared to welcome uh, Dr. Anderson on the program, I'm just checking Google News um, under the term NAACP bombing, and I am not seeing anything new. I'm not seeing any new rev- revelations uh being um, reported on. I'm not seeing any, you know, reports of a person being identified and and whatnot. Um, so, you know, this is a story that I think is very important because it was an act. Uh, domestic terrorism the fbi even classified it in their uh language that it was a act of domestic terrorism although um they are claiming that they don't have a motive for it um i think with all you know all of the protests against police violence that's been going on in the country um you know all the conversations that's being had in the media um, I, you know, I, I, I happen to think that the motive is pretty evident, uh, possibly. So uh, again, you know, I don't want to be silly, but I don't think anybody was targeting the, uh, beauty salon or barbershop that was in the same building as the NWA, uh, CP. So, uh, yes, um, I, I will, you know, keep up with this story. Uh, but again, there is nothing new to report on the NAACP bombing. Uh, before I wrap up the program, I will check Twitter because, you know, Twitter is the one, uh, that was really asking the question and driving the question of why there hasn't, why there has been little media coverage, uh, of a domestic act of terrorism in relation to, uh, act of terrorism on foreign soil, uh, you know, in France. Um I do believe we have Dr. Anderson on the line is, is that correct?
1: Yes it is. I'm here.
2: Greetings to you and welcome to the uh, live drive at 5 on Black Talk Radio. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Um I've already given people, you know, information on your background. Um I've also linked to the very important article that I think um has not gotten the attention that it deserves in the points that you make certainly i haven't found that it is being reiterated or you know being made part of the conversation uh that everyone is having on the first amendment under the umbrella of freedom of speech but in the context of the interview um and in your article uh you take a different perspective and again the title of of, of dr anderson's article is Sony the interview and in Hollywood illusions of creative expression now I, I, I have some questions um, you know specifically towards the content of your article and then some other related questions but for those who haven't had a chance to read it can you give them a summary
1: oh sure great um, I just uh, was listening to the press coverage along with everybody else and when Sony canceled the interview um, to be theatrically released, and and everybody seemed up in arms that the film um, wasn't going to be released. And suddenly we were we were uh, taking um, our cues on what what we could present in our culture from North Korea and um, Hollywood, and all kinds of stars came out and said, "Don't censor the movie because of Hollywood, Korea. This is a terrible day for freedom of expression." And and all of that, I I just couldn't take the hypocrisy because the very same um hacking incident that that upset you know that was in the news cycle for the all of the end of 2014 that revealed all these sony emails also revealed that the movie had been influenced by the cia and that the content of the film had been altered all along the way to please international distribution and all kinds of things so when Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg said that they came up with the idea of the ending uh, and told the New York Times, it wasn't true. They had already told a Sony executive that, that, as, that admitted to a different Sony executive that someone was kind of chumming around with Hillary Clinton and a former CIA agent had looked at the script and it was the CIA agent who said that they should substitute their villain for Kim Jong-un. Well, Just as
2: the most dramatic thing. Right, right. You know, the deception involved in, you know, them telling the New York Times a blatant lie. I I, I would call it um, that. Um, what would be the purpose, you think, of this former CIA agent uh, wanting to look at the original script and then substitute the villain, if you will, for a real uh, state leader of uh, uh, the real leader of North Korea what what do you think the motivation behind that was
1: well it's sadly not something that's um, so unusual in Hollywood these days people have been writing about and I' I've, uh, I've been one of the the people who've done research into this very close relationship between all forces of the military the Armed Forces and the media um, it's Call, we used to have the military-industrial complex, and those of us who write about it now call it the military-industrial entertainment technology con- complex, in which um, so much of our popular culture uh, is infused with the ideas and the influence um, of the military. In for the, Specifically for the CIA, the CIA's entertainment liaison office, which has a a website anybody any of your listeners can go and and just call it up the CIA entertainment liaison office and they say right there that they work with all kinds of media and creative people um, they started doing that in 1996 some of the other armed forces have been doing it for a lot longer um, but we see the stamp of the CIA on quite a few things everything from covert affairs that the television show to homeland, uh, to movies such as Zero Dark Thirty and Argo. So the CIA has been very busy looking at scripts.
2: Uh, wow. Now, if, if you would just uh, entertain me for just a bit, I want to play a, a clip. And, uh-huh. uh, and and I would like to get your commentary, and I have some questions after I play this clip. And this clip um, refers to Operation Mockingbird, um, the c i a media control program now this clip is from the nineteen seventies and this is frank church a senate, senator who held the church uh committee senate hearings uh on COINTELPRO pro and so i and so i want to play this clip just for some context 'cause i have some i have some questions i have some questions about what you just what you reveal to us in your article and what you just revealed to us, you know, with these uh, uh Department of Defense and intelligence agencies and liaison offices, you know, and, and websites. So it's like they're not even making a secret of it if you look. Um it, it's right there for you to see. So let me let me play this clip. Um it is three minutes uh and twelve seconds long. Um if you could uh just entertain me for a bit.
1: Sure.
3: I thought that it was a matter of Uh, real concern that planted stories intended to serve a national purpose abroad um, came home and were circulated here and believed here because uh, this would mean that the CIA could manipulate the news in the United States by channeling it through some foreign country. And we're looking at that very carefully. Do you have
0: any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal? We do have people who submit pieces to, other, to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television networks. This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in an executive session.
4: Uh, at CBS, uh, we... Uh had been contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, the ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. We have quite a lot of detailed information, uh, and
3: we will evaluate it, and we will include any um, evidence of wrongdoing or any evidence of impropriety, in our final report and make recommendations.
0: Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to the national news services, AP and UPI? Well again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle in executive session. Senator, Senator, do you think that you named the news organization's new final report? Uh, th- that remains to be decided.
4: I think it was entirely in order for our correspondents at that time uh, to make use of the uh, CIA agent chi- uh, chiefs uh, of station and other members of the executive staff of CIA as sources of information which were useful in their assessments of world conditions. Would you say that continues today? well i yeah i would think probably for a reporter it would continue today but because of all of the revelations of the period of the 1970s uh, it seems to me that a reporter has got to be much more circumspect in doing it now or he runs the risk of uh, at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public i think you've got to be much more careful about it
2: so um yeah that's the end of that clip there talking about operation mockingbird I could be incorrect but I believe that this practice was revealed um by the break-in in the FBI uh offices by activists which then found all of this paperwork related to COINTELPRO. Pro and I think that's how this information came to the attention of Congress but but I'm I'm a bit confused here because this guy says these relationships go off this CBS executive at that time uh, said these relationships with the intelligence community and perhaps the Department of Defense was back way back in the 50s. And and, and so um, then in doing my research on political prisoners, individual cases in COINTELPRO in general, uh, I found and I also interviewed a journalist at a black radio station who said that they got, news of uh, um I, I guess you would call them editorials from written by the fbi and they just read them on on air verbatim which was demonizing whatever the targets of investigations or 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 um c- people that they were trying to convict of crimes and i mean i found that to be very shocking now uh dr anderson you said you said that um the practice with hollywood has been going on since the uh you know 1990s uh late half of of the 1990s and so did something change in law that allows this or was it illegal to begin with or just unethical
1: well it's great that you bring up this history because it's uh actually you're really helping me put a lot of things together too with your research it um the, yes you can see that in that clip that you that they were called to account by Congress. And of course, in the 1970s, there was a little bit of that, right, um, uh, responding to the post-Vietnam War era. Now, subsequently, however, in the war in Central America, we know full well that uh, Reagan's war on uh, the, the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, for example, there were op-ed pieces penned by FBI and CIA, and they were placed in the New York Times, with other with other contras, as we call them, that were fighting with the U.S. against the Sandinistas, with their names on them. But the, and this is well documented. Actually, it's in my it's in my book called "A Century of Media: A Century of War." So 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 through the 1980s, we have that documentation. But here's here's what changed uh, in the 90s, and then certainly after 9/11, is that these relationships became more acceptable. And they kind of entered a different era. Um, in John Rizzo's book, Company Man, and he was the acting general counsel for the CIA uh, in the first nine years of the war on terror. And right in that book, he admits that the CIA has a long and special relationship with the entertainment industry, uh, devoting considerable attention to fostering relationships in Hollywood. With movers and shakers, and that's practically verbatim what, what he has said. What, the, the illegality that you got at in that clip was about, here it is, the United, the, the U.S. public is not supposed to be subjected to propaganda that's aimed at another country. That is why in this country we do not have access, unless you've got a shortwave radio, to hear Voice of America and some of of the other uh, U.S. propaganda organs that represent us worldwide. Um, now, but what we've ha- but what happens is when they place when they place disinformation around the globe and it gets back to the U.S. That's essentially what happens: is that there's always blowback, and we're we are the subject of our own. We 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 hear it in this country. Something that has been placed by the CIA air, aired in another country, and it gets back to us. Well,
2: certainly through the um, internet. Yeah. If you allow me, to just interject. Yeah. You mentioned sure. Voices of America. I've seen that. I've seen articles from them show up in Google's news feed. Yes. Please continue.
1: Yes, yes. and. Um, now what's happened in Hollywood with the films and televisions that I saw in this in this interesting back to your original question of how the CIA got a hold of the script um, what happens is uh, if any former CIA person is writing anything that all has to go through the CIA so you've got a guy who wrote a book about his experience with the CIA and and that's now the kind of fodder and he's writing scripts for the show the Americans that's about the Cold War and spies. All of those scripts now go through the CIA. Um, the CIA vets a scripts. Here's how it works in the movie industry. If the anybody wants all of and, and you see the blockbuster movies, everybody from Iron Man to Transformers to Man of Steel, these are the monies that the movies that make the most money and they're chock full of equipment and personnel and Money that you and I are paying in taxes, um, and but to get all that money and to make that profit, they have to show their scripts uh, to do all of the li- liaisons of the armed forces, uh, be it Philip Strub in the Pentagon uh, or or somebody else in the um, the Navy for the Navy SEALs, uh, like Active of Valor, uh, and then also so many of them from the um, Air Force and that's the trade-off. What they're doing is so it's it's not like it used to be. So they're more sophisticated. And that's part of it. You see the CIA has now become kind of hip. And so they're try, they're fitting into mainstream culture in a much more organic way where they're making the military like we 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 fought these very unpopular wars. Uh but think about the contradiction of the military is not unpopular. The military is very popular. But the national narratives are lauding and celebrating the men and women and making them look like rock stars. That's a quote from one of the liaisons who who was talking about Iron Man. We came off looking like rock stars, and that's what they want.
2: Mm-hmm. One, I mean, there are just so many questions, and I know uh, our time is limited with you today, and I certainly would have like to uh, you know, schedule you to come back. On again, but I mean, there are just so, so many questions. And one of the questions going back to the movie, the interview and Uh the, you know, decision that was made by CI, well, Sony executives to go along with this CIA agent to name Kim, uh, how do you pronounce the name? Kim, um, Kim Jong Un. Uh huh. Yeah. To, to make him the actual uh, villain in this movie of a CIA plot to assassinate a head of state. Isn't that illegal under uh, executive order to assassinate heads of state? And how then is it legal then for the CIA to place propaganda in film for Americans where the plot is to assassinate a head of state?
1: You're exactly right. And that's what some of us have been screaming about precisely uh, with Zero Dark Thirty, torture was illegal, and yet they presented uh, and celebrated, as they did in 24, and as they sometimes do on Homeland, extrajudicial, you know, types of, of torture uh, and assassinations that are being celebrated on American media, and these things are illegal. Um, yes. Now there have been discussions in Hollywood, and there should be some kind of ethics that, um, and that you know I've been trying to interest lawyers in taking this on as First Amendment because you know there's also a law about censorship that that uh, that we're that cre- creative and media people are not supposed to have to submit their scripts to the government. Um, that's called prior restraint. That's against the First Amendment.
2: That's illusion the illusion pro- you're talking about in your the, article.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The problem is they do it willingly. They go along with script changes so they can get the equipment so that they can make the profit. So as long as they don't make a fuss, but there should uh, there should be an ethical code in Hollywood, and there should be a movement to develop that where they where they shouldn't be allowing the government. To alter the chip because they're changing film content for the American public and they're promoting propaganda, because that's what they're doing. Um, you know, Philip Strub, the head of the uh, film liaison office for the Pentagon, says we only want realistic uh, portrayals. And then in the second breath, um, anything that's negative about the military, we don't think is realistic.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, this is just all very fascinating to me, and and you know. Um, in a different context, I have also asked the question about how ethical is it for not only uh, these music corporations, but as well as the, the corporations who own these so-called hip-hop stations to where you got millions of people, you know, I shouldn't say millions, it's about 2.5 million people in jail or prison on nonviolent drug charges, um, not all of them, but 70% of them. Uh, on nonviolent drug charges, you know, and, but yet the music corporations, uh, can coerce artists. And that's a whole nother conversation I actually had, uh, with, uh, uh, a person, um, involved in the industry earlier. But here you are promoting through what I call propaganda. All forms of media can be considered propaganda if it's conveying the ideal, um, promoting drug dealing, promoting drug use. And, I, you know, I'm like, that's a great concern to me. How is it then that I can produce something, some propaganda to influence somebody to engage in illegal behavior? And, and so, I mean, do you see the similar vein in, in what we're talking about?
1: I, I think you're really right to, to, to bring out really connections because there are multiple connections everywhere, uh, and particularly with the criminal justice system right now. So so if we're talking about a, a movement in our culture toward the celebration of the military and militainment what we call the military industrial entertainment complex um, that very much bleeds into in every way the criminal justice system for example the CIA a- also collaborated with uh, police forces and in here in New York City um They collaborated with the, with the NYPD to carry out spying, uh, in Muslim neighborhoods, uh, to try to identify terrorists. So, you can see that the, that the police are engaging in close relationships with spy organizations. Also, there are many ways, and we also have seen with Ferguson the militarization um, of police forces with all of the, you know, part of this culture is the celebration of this, this weapons of war. And so the F-35 that has never flown uh, was in Man of Steel, and Superman is now an advertisement for a plane that costs $1.5 trillion and has never flown and probably never will. It's a boondoggle. But we celebrate all the equipment, and now the police officers want all the equipment, and they go into cities and towns with giant you know, militarized vehicles. And just in this latest, um, uh, it, it, the NYPD head of the benevolent, uh, their union, uh, when he got mad at the mayor de Blasio in New York City, all you have to do is hear it in his discourse, and this is what he said. The mayor's hands are literally dripping with our blood because in his actions um, and uh, because of his actions, and for the first time in a numbers of years, we have become a wartime police department, and we will act accordingly. And they are talking about war on the public; they're not talking about public safety. You know, they've adopted this militarized attitude, and I think that's very serious as well. And
2: and you think it's come about because of the uh, acceptance of, you know, the military, um, the intelligence agencies, open relationships with, well, I shouldn't say so open, but it's not hidden if if you look. I I mean, you think that's feeding into it because of this long, long history?
1: I think a kind of national security mentality that incorporates um authoritarian force power mm-hmm. um weapons i think that that it's a very fine line between what is international what is domestic and how that is being applied domestically and we've seen the mil- uh, militarization um encroach upon our in, in, in domestically in our country um where now we we've, we've already assassinated a US citizen in Yemen where we have Um, and we have broken u.s laws in many ways
2: and his son i think we should also mention his son 16 years old also american citizen was assassinated um that's right yes um now you you might have more knowledge on on me and i could have gotten some incorrect information but i had this belief that It was illegal for the Central Intelligence Agency to operate in the United States. I thought it was relegated to overseas operations as given, you know, suggested by the church committee saying that, you know, they found it of real concern that something meant for a foreign country was then redirected back back at American citizens. So, I, I mean, are they by law? regulations allow it the CIA specifically to conduct uh, any kind of operations on us soil
1: well there what has happened is uh, in the in the 9 eleven vague legal framework since um, since the um, di, putting everything together under homeland security okay. so the FBI was supposed to be the domestic police wing mm-hmm. um, but The in in this collaboration and the CIA has definitely collaborated internally, um, and the surveillance. The the way we have to think about it in and sadly in a in America at this moment is a a very a guy that I that I've read and I I think he's coined the right term and his name is Mark Danner. Um, uh, he said we're in a, a series of frozen scandals. We we have. Numerous ways in which we have violated the Constitution uh, in the post World War in the post um, 9/11 era, but the, but but nobody's been prosecuted. So everything from Bush started an illegal war, uh, according uh, to to um, international law that, that the U.S. signed onto in 1996. That that war is illegal. We have tortured people um, when that is against. Uh, the uniformed military and and against the U.S. and 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 again we signed on to the rules of war and that's absurd. so we live in an era where if if these things aren't exposed and prosecuted and people aren't willing to kind that that's why we have this I think this 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 groundswell where the public has finally decided and people have to go in the streets and they finally decided that. You know, we've we've had enough. I mean, the CIA has even has shown themselves before the the torture report that the that Feinstein was doing in the Congress. They spied on the Congress.
2: So, Mm-mm-mm.
1: no, you know, I mean, we it's it's rather lawless, I think, these days.
2: <laughs> I do. I I would like to um I would like to mention. Uh, let me find this person uh, in in relation to the CIA. Uh, torture scandal, um, Jeffrey Sterling, um, who is being prosecuted for exposing CIA recklessness. And people were saying, uh, Cynthia, former Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney is saying this guy should be celebrated as a hero. And certainly I'm not seeing any kind of propaganda. Um you know that shows him as such uh being produced by Hollywood or any part of the entertainment industry or by American news media you know and, and so I just wanted to to mention him um
1: yes, and that's really important, and of course they they the Obama administration in in the in the wake of all this has really taken on whistleblowers and trying to get you know the New York Times correspondent James Risen to testify uh against sterling uh which he has refused to do so you know on on the other hand they're really they, they, it just shows you that the the the, the c- attempts to control information um in in various ways that we're living under right
2: now you know like i had uh, mentioned to the listeners at the beginning of the program the reason i created the black talk media project was because of uh, Malcolm X giving a news interview in which he talked about the power of the media and how the American people were controlled to view the Russians and Chinese as allies during the uh, World War II and then immediately following, um, they changed it, flipped the script, changed the script, if you will, to then demonize the Chinese and the Russians. And now the Germans and the Japanese who we fought uh, who the uh, United States fought in that war are now our friends, right? And so I'm seeing, I'm 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 looking at this also in the context that Malcolm X framed it, and and so in the context of the interview, you know, is this to justify possibly a real CIA operation to assassinate this man, or is it to set the public up like we saw in Iraq with all of the complicity in the american news media as well as the movies to to get behind attacking iraq although they had nothing to do with 911 i'm 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 just saying you know that this is the this is what is happening this is the intent and because media is so powerful, how Americans think that, you know, they're getting all of this this great information, and it's not. It's to manipulate them into getting behind things that are not necessarily legal and not necessarily moral.
1: Well, that I agree with you 100%, and I think that in terms of the, the, the most important, thing happened in the 1980s with the war on drugs that you spoke of before, it, it, it is of interest to your listeners in Black Talk Radio, and very much tied into to Malcolm's um, understanding of how powerful the media is. If you look at the program COPS, and I've done a lot of writing about this, and the criminalization of young uh, people of color uh, re- regarding the war on drugs, um, you can make a direct line between the further criminalization of drugs for the black community um, and the general kind of image that that the real focus of the drug war should be at street level enforcement and and, and locking minor criminals up rather than of course what we know the international drug rings, um, you know white bankers such as uh, HSbc that launder money, and these kinds of crimes. Uh, uh, people walk free and yet we have incarcerated, as you know, a generation of young black men.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, as we get ready to wrap up our interview, and I certainly appreciate your time and your insight and helping us to understand propaganda because, you know, um, it, it's just very important because of its power. But going back to something you said, um, about the hypocrisy of, like, I think it was George Clooney who publicly spoke about, you know, we must show this film. We must, it has to do with freedom of speech, freedom of expression and, and you know, his whole spiel on that. And, right. And, and the others. But a movie we have talked about, uh, in context of one of, uh, the political prisoners we discussed of uh, the journalist, uh, Mumia Abu Jamal. Uh, there was a movie that came out, not about what he was accused of doing, what he was convicted of doing, but just his life in general, you know, a, as a voice of the people, uh, the name of the film is Mumia, long distance revolutionary. And I remember because, you know, I pay attention to what goes on with political prisoners when the police unions, uh, in, in the state of New Jersey and particularly around Newark, uh, had lobbied a theater that was showing the film, uh, which was co-owned by Shaquille O'Neal, former NBA player, uh, media spokesperson, also sits on, uh, uh has a position on ESPN, and lobbied them to censor this film. And I'm like, where was you at, George Clooney, when this film got censored? Um From my interviews with people who were associated with the film, it did very well in New York as well as LA. And they said that, you know, and, and you, you, you know, again, this is information I'm getting from other people. So I don't have any direct knowledge, but they said that usually when independent films like that do very well in major markets like New York and L- LA, that they then usually get picked up nationwide, but that didn't happen with, uh, Mumia, long distance revolutionary, and I looked at that as a form of self censorship or censorship of a artist uh, who the film direct, I mean, the guy who made this film. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think you're absolutely right, and um, that that's actually absolutely the process, and it should have been nationally distributed. Uh, and these these kinds of decisions uh, about politics come into uh the the major studios that are into distribution are making it available or not making it available um, and and they call the shots and that restricts what the american public can see um, and that's a type of economic censorship that um, many films and many international films have also been that you know netflix and there are some other Developments in internet in in national distribution that have that have made some other and and ca- really un important counter narratives to the mainstream available to the public and I think those are really important and it's all the movies too that don't get made mm-hmm. um, such as the wonderful movie about Ruby D and Ozzie Davis that should be made if you just think about how uh, important. Uh, cultural and historical figures. They are. Yeah. Um, uh
2: Danny Glover tried to get a film made about the Haitian Revolution. That has not gotten any support.
1: That's right. Um, there's only six percent uh, of the the produce film film directors in in the industry are African American. You know, only two percent are Asian. About six percent are women. So these are, you know. Isn't it interesting that this is that that if you saw the award uh, nominations that came out a couple of days ago, this is the whitest award (laughs) award year since 1998, Um, and you know this kind of mainstream uh, culture really uh, depresses other kinds of narratives and, uh, and the diversity in the media that we need.
2: Dr. Anderson, I certainly appreciate your expertise. I appreciate the work that you are engaged in and your calls for uh I I think correct me if I'm wrong, you're calling for uh ethical reforms. Um I appreciate that voice. Um as uh, do you have any final thoughts on on this topic in general that you would like to leave the listeners with?
1: Well, I guess um I uh that when we see one one important thing is if we're kind of inundated in in what I really think is is a kind of a military propaganda environment at this point it's just really important to look at those narratives very skeptically and understand that they're one-sided and uh, you know I always tell my students that we always have to be um you know media critics uh, because uh as you as you mentioned, the Malcolm X understood the media really uh, sh- helps shape and mold our views of people and the world. And you know, uh, all this throughout our discussion, you kept bringing up the great question: Why? Why do they want to to put in a depict an assassination of a world of a sitting of a sitting world leader and and, and one of the reasons is that you know, if you remember the Obama administration pivoting toward the Asia and the Pacific, um, they are using North Korea as as a as a kind of a scapegoat for militarizing that part of the world. They can't really do it with China. China's too powerful. But we're keeping our eyes over in that direction, or the Americans are. For national security purposes, and I don't think it's and and it reminds me of some of the things you were talking about from the 1970s that it does promote the existing, um, you know, geopolitical uh, interests of the government and the military, and I think North Korea is very much uh, in their uh, crosshairs, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, again, uh, Dr. Robert excuse me, Robin Anderson, professor of communication and media studies at Fordham University. Um, she's the author of four books and dozens of chapters and journal articles. Um, uh, one of her books is A Century of Media, A Century of War. I have a uh, link uh, to her piece on there and I encourage you uh, to check out her work because again, I understand the power of media as I was enlightened in 2000, 2008 by Malcolm X on this. So I think that your work and, and, and what you are, um, putting forth to the American people to ask questions about, I think is very, very important. And we need a, a wider discussion on this, but I just unfortunately feel like the mainstream media is not going to allow this conversation to be had but we can hope that uh it might be but you know we'll cross our fingers on that thank you dr anderson
1: it's been my pleasure great discussion thanks so much
2: you have a good day thanks you too bye bye okay that was uh dr anderson again i want to encourage you all to uh check out that article and check out the work. Um. Again, you know, I've been having these conversations with people on Facebook, and they're saying to me, you know, I must support freedom of speech. If the, if you take away this, then you know you're on a slippery slope, and 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 then you know you won't be able to come on air. And and I believe that is because of, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but I believe it is because of their ignorance on media their ignorance on the power of media their ignorance on how media is being uh manipulated to to get the public to go along with not only things that are happening overseas in terms of wars in terms of uh, assassinations in terms of of you know fighting's quote-unquote terrorism but what's going on right here in the streets like for example last night um in this conversation about Charlie Hebdo, I posted a, a picture of, uh, these two people on Fox News discussing, um, the, I, I imagine the, they don't have his name, but I know that's what they were talking about. But again, I shouldn't assume anything, but I imagine the murder of Michael Brown. And so the picture, you know, is showing these two people in, you know, headshots on the screen, Fox News media bias. It's unarmed team description misleading. So they're trying to go along with the Ferguson police to go along with Darren Wilson's lies that, you know, Michael Brown, you know, well, he may not have had a gun on him, but he was like this big hulking figure. He was grunting, demonic, and all of that. And so this is how, we see in the American news, I mean, it's not just Fox News. I know we like to pick on them because they are the standard for uh, racial propaganda, um, but this is the intent to demonize a certain group of people based on race, and we allow this. And I'll just read what, what I wrote. I wrote this last night, and I asked the question. I asked people to get back to me, and a few people we went back and forth well, actually, nobody. Uh, a couple of people liked it. Uh Four people shared it. Um, I shared it on Black Talk Radio Network's page on Facebook, and I'll have to check to see if anybody said anything. But this is this is what I wo- wrote. Again, we have to ask questions in a lot. Is this logical? I know even if it's legal, is it logical? All right. Is that we want free speech? Even though, you know, what we're calling free speech really isn't free speech. And I got to repeat the quote um, uh, that was uh, given to me by one of the people who reads my post. And he said they don't want freedom of speech. They want freedom to insult, freedom to injure without consequences. All right. So I asked this question last night. Uh, I said, is this logical? I want to be free from racism, discrimination, racial profiling and enslavement. But I support The quote unquote rights of Fox News and the like to produce hateful, slanderous, racist propaganda portraying my group as animals, savages and criminal thugs who deserve to be shot down in the street like, well, like black people. The solution is not more balanced media. The solution is a ban on all forms of racism and discrimination, including media. Is it logical to say, which I've been hearing people say, it, is it logical to say, I understand. And I also have been saying this because it is logical and I do understand it. But is it logical to say, I understand and support hate speech protections for Jews because of the Jewish Holocaust? But how can you say that, but not want the same protections for black people worldwide? Whose Holocaust is ongoing. Use your powers of reasoning and get back to me. Seriously. And, and so people will have on other posts concerning Charlie Hebdo's demonization of, of Islam, of demonization of Muslims. They want to go back and forth with me on that. When I say that this is vulgar, this is obscene. Who wants to see how is pictures of christ having homosexual sex with god how 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 is that contributing to the democratic so-called conversation on on rights and liberty and things like that that's just vulgar childish just obscene material to put out there and, and then the show you know muslims uh you know with their with their beer behind showing and and I mean, it's just disgusting. It's really disgusting. And I'm saying this belongs on the porno rack with a brown bag over it so that when children come into the, to the newspaper stand or go into 7-Eleven and look at the, walk past the magazine rack, they're not seeing this garbage. Okay. I'm not saying it should be eliminated, but I'm saying, but again, on the terms of hate speech, now how, how, how racist How discriminatory is it for the European Union, including France, to ban this sort of propaganda aimed at Jews because of the history of the Holocaust in that country, but then to to allow it to target other vulnerable groups who are in a minority like Muslims who typically tend to be in these European countries, non-whites, is this so that you will accept their subjugation and degradation and to to get you to go along with the attacks on Middle Eastern countries and Northern African countries that are predominantly Muslim? See, see so that's why I'm saying I do not support everything under the umbrella of freedom of speech when it is racialized. Propaganda when it is religiously bigoted propaganda that serves a state purpose. And we should also say a corporate purpose because a lot of corporations like make a lot of money off of war. A lot of corporations make a lot of money off of black people being imprisoned at astronomical rates for not harming other people, but using or selling drugs to other adults. If you sell drugs to kids, I think you should be, you know, pay a penalty. But if we got all this freedom and liberty, where's my freedom to consume ca- cannabis? Yeah, it's being legalized now. You know what I'm saying? Not on a federal level, I, although I think it's going that way. So we have to ask, we have to analyze things. We have to ask logical questions and we should not just be going along with, with a popular, li- a popular, phrase put out by the media about, you know, we must accept everything under freedom of speech. It's the bedrock of a democracy and and this and that. No, this is hate. It is hate with a purpose. And what is that purpose? To demonize victims. Why do you want to demonize victims? Well, so you can continue to victimize them. So that a jury will already have in their mind that when a white cop is brought before them for an indictment for killing an unarmed black person, that they will already have embedded through all of this propaganda and demonization of black people, particularly black men, that all he did was shot an animal. He didn't do nothing wrong. Why are y'all even wasting our time bringing these charges? You know, why are you coming to get an indictment for us? He deserved to be shot. He deserved, don't you know how these people are? Don't you watch Fox News? Don't you watch CNN? Don't you read the uh uh Weekly Standard? Haven't you heard Rich, Rush Limbaugh show these people are animals? They are thugs, man. They're criminals. Why would I vote to indict this officer? He's just doing his job protecting society. Y'all just just persecuting this man for no reason. Nothing happens in a vacuum as has been said by many people. And when you understand the tools of the enemy that's being used against you, then you then you shouldn't be so quick to co-sign on to the use of those tools to hurt you, to hurt your family, to hurt your group. So all I ask is that, that people not just co-sign on to propaganda because that's what it is. Everything is not protected speech and if we do ban some forms of speech like hate speech if we ban or put regulations on some uh, forms of speech that if are left out in the open can cause wider harm to our children to our teens even to us Don't talk to me about a slippery slope. Because we way down at the bottom already in terms of being black or non-white or being poor. We already at the bottom. So what slope you talking about? A slippery slope. Yeah, they making that slope slippery because they don't want us to climb to the top of it. So that's all I ask. That's all I ask is that people analyze things, that people look for evidence, that people do research, and just don't take people' word to be true just because New York Times said it. Kim Wise said it. Fox News said it. Bill O'Reilly said it. So it must be true. And they're on mainstream media. They don't allow people to just come on mainstream media and lie. Come on, y'all come on, we're better than that we're smarter than that and we are far more intelligent than that and and that's a form of mental slavery so that they can enslave your physical body so that's the end of my program Um, I will be back on air Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, myself and the co-producer and co-host Sister Amidio Whitlock with another episode of Political Prisoner Radio, and we have many political prisoners who are in prison because of what I just got through talking about with Dr. Anderson. Y'all be safe this weekend. Always remember to conduct yourself like you live behind enemy lines, like you live in a war zone, because if you're paying attention, all the evidence is there to suggest that that is the reality. Peace and blessings to all
1: na no, now, na now, no, no, no. them are oh, rebel music now. Give them some rebel music now. Well, it's a rebel music, don't you confuse it. With that crap that the bugger them producing, this terrible music, don't you confuse it. Me as the
3: baddest lyricist, so watch me prove it, yo. Me used to bundle weed a lot, no me start for weed a lot. Out loud about how the system want to keep us. Locked up in the prison mentally, them want to defeat us. In the streets where my feet touch, by the school them never teach us. Nothing but we are freaking teachers. Now them office on we weena, clappies and divas. Officers preach us, doctors and lawyers are liars. the